everybody. Welcome to another Whiskey Web and Whatnot with myself, Robbie Wagner, and my co-host, as always, Charles William Carpenter III. And our guest today is Kara, is it Luton? Luton? Luton, yeah. Luton? Okay, okay. I was close. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I don't think he went to your website because there's pronunciation. Is there? Oh. There is. Yes. See, I do a little research. I'm just saying. <laughs> I was there. I just, I maybe skipped to the important info and missed the, the beginning, but yeah. It's fine. Everybody mispronounces it. That's totally okay. <laughs> we get there. We practice. And and now we're doing it here audibly for hundreds of people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I guess for people that haven't heard of you, um, maybe just a, a super quick intro into like who you are, what you do. Yeah, so my name is Kara. I am a UI engineer at CrowdStrike, which is a cybersecurity company that stops breaches. Um, and I had a really weird path to tech. I, When I was younger, I pursued a career as a professional ballerina and then left that, went to college, became a publicist in the music industry got burnt out and landed my way in a boot camp, And I've been in tech ever since. So very um, roundabout way of getting here, but I'm happy I'm here now. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Success story. <laughs> like to hear that. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, uh, there's so many different paths to getting into to engineering and tech in general and mm -hmm. no right or wrong answer, really. Yeah, I agree. It's it's really exciting, especially since like I went to a boot camp six, seven years ago, seeing how many people are doing that and self-teaching now. Um, because it was still pretty pretty relatively new then. So it's really neat to see the tech world opening itself up to to people from all sorts of backgrounds. Yeah, I was gonna say seven years ago for a boot camp. That's I didn't know they were around that long, honestly. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, which one did you go to? I went to the iron yard which closed down a few years after I went. <laughs> but yeah, I went for, it was only three months long and I only focused on the front end. So it was a little different than some other boot camps. But yeah, I wouldn't change my time there for anything. Um, even with, if I knew eventually it would have been shutting down, it, I still really appreciated all my time spent there. Yeah. I remember there was one in DC. I think they hosted a yeah. couple of meetups or something. Yeah. Yeah. They were mm -hmm. all over the country. Yeah. Yeah. They had uh, empanadas as their food, which was... <laughs> crazy for a meetup. It's like, where's the pizza at? Like, this is so much better. Uh -huh. <laughs> Were they hosting the meetup where I spoke when Glimmer first came out or something where I did that little? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, that was there. Yeah, that's the one I was talking about. Yeah, I was speaking too, maybe. I think you might have. You said empanadas and it triggered my memory all of a sudden. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that delicious yeah. food that wasn't just random pizza at a meetup. <laughs> <laughs> I love that just eating empanadas at the meetup like makes it stand out. <laughs> Mm, yeah yeah it goes a long way with me yeah definitely all right well let's uh get started with some whiskey here yes. chuck tell us about what we got today <laughs> tell us what's the prize <laughs> yeah i don't want your uh your ice ball to to melt too quickly <laughs> yeah, the death star <laughs> yeah the death star so we have the three chord strange collaboration so it looks like they're out of michigan but they're sourced they source the bourbon from kentucky so they're getting it somewhere there but then they are aging in used Pinot Noir barrels from the strange family vineyards of Santa Rita Hills, California. It's an interesting story. So the mash bill is 75% corn, 21% rye, 4% malted barley. It is 99 proof, so 49.5% alcohol, so just under the bottled and bond requirements. I don't know, fun fact. Also has the tightest cork 
of all time. I can't get this to go back in. <laughs> yeah. That's why I opened it up before this. I was like, I'm not going to be able to open this up <laughs> while I'm talking. All right. Oh, wow. That is, that's uh, impressive. Three chord. You, uh, they intend. <laughs> you still working on it? <laughs> no, I got it off, but getting, oh, okay. doing the back end. Yeah. They intend for you to finish the entire thing. That's it. <laughs> You've opened it. It's done. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hmm. It's a very sweet smell. I'm getting some cherries on the smell. I don't know. And some allergies this weekend. I'm probably making it all up. <laughs> hmm. This might be the first time in the past few that I haven't heard you say apricot says the first thing. Oh, wow. That's a cinnamon explosion for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Little hug, little hug there, but a lot of cinnamon for me. Yeah. Admittedly, I'm not a whiskey person, but I do like it. Okay. Oh, interesting. So what is your spirit of choice, or if it is a spirit? I am very basic and i usually just drink <laughs> ciders or wine oh yeah okay i like ciders i used to drink a lot of them mm-hmm. yeah and wine yeah and wine is good yeah there's a lot of actually surprisingly a decent amount of cider breweries in nashville they're popping up more and more um so it's nice because we'll go to some craft brew places in town and then hit up the cideries too nice yum well, there is a whiskey um, distillery there, Greenbrier, I believe is what it's called. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they do the Bellmead stuff. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever mm-hmm. done a tasting there. That's a, a nice little place. I think I have. So when I used to work in the music industry, I think I worked across from there. Mm, I see. It was either them or a wine, a wine place. I think it was the whiskey place, though. Well, well there you go. Your OG. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is interesting, though. I think that the uh, Pinot Noir barrels might have a lot to do with uh, some of the sweetness and, and follow up there. Yeah, I mean, I can't really, I don't have a refined palate, so I can't tell you all the flavors I'm experiencing, but <laughs> I enjoy it. I think it's it's very good. It's not not too, too much alcohol. It's a little, little bit, but it's not terrible. Yeah, I feel it a little bit, and I, I like that for me personally. Yeah. Yeah, the name Three Chord had me thrown off for a moment. I was like, oh, did we select something from like Nashville or <laughs> we did not. They just happened to align with the themes of Nashville or Nash Vegas. Yeah. Right. Nash Vegas. Gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do people call it that? Unfortunately. <laughs> I think so. I'm a big Predators fan for hockey and their stadium series game is actually this week and I'm going. So they have like custom jerseys. And they say Smashville on the front, and that also I'm like, oh, oh man, a weird nickname for our city. Yeah, leaning in, leaning in. <laughs> so normally with the whiskeys, we in theme try to give it a rating from one to eight tentacles. So one being the worst, eight being the best. It's all very subjective. I know you said you don't have a lot of whiskey, but <laughs> in terms of what you have had and what you've liked, not liked, you know, where this lands for you could be an eight, could be a smash or, you know, maybe it's just like, oh, it's pretty good, but I also like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So you want me to go first? Sure. Why not? Put all the pressure on me. Um, I think out of eight, I would give it, I think like a five and a half, six, because I haven't tasted very many whiskeys, but I do like it compared to the ones I've had. Yeah, I'm noticing the more I sip it, the, the more I like it. Mm-hmm. That first drink was like, like I don't know, like eating a stick of cinnamon or something, <laughs> which is not advised. 
But every one thereafter, I was like, I was primed for the other flavors. And now I start mm-hmm. to get more from it. So it's actually, yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. I could see it with an ice cube, too, being kind of nice, making it a little cooler. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to give it a six. I think I'm interested in this one and I will explore it with ice another time. Yeah, yeah, I think I would give it a, a six as well, I think. I think with all the flavors and the cinnamonness. It would be good in some cider, like make a hot cider Ooh, yeah. and put some of that in there. Ooh, yeah. Also interesting there. Yeah. Look at you, not having to spice it up as much. <laughs> yeah. I live in the desert, so I don't have to think about cold all that often. It's like a couple <laughs> of times a year, I'm like, oh, hot cider, that would be good. Otherwise, no. <laughs> yeah. So you touched a little bit on, you know, your path to tech. Mm-hmm. Do you want to just talk a little bit more about like, I know nothing about being like a ballerina or like much about the music industry. I used to do like I was in a band and that's about as far as I went. Mm-hmm. I didn't get into making money from it. So I don't know, just if you want to kind of tell your story about how you got here. Yeah. So I did ballet from when I was three years old. I have growth hormone deficiency, which is a pretty rare deficiency where my pituitary gland actually doesn't produce any growth hormones. So I had to take shots every single day to actually grow to my very tall height of five foot two. A side effect of growth hormone deficiency is that your joints can hurt while you're growing. So my mom enrolled me in ballet because the doctor said it'd be a really good exercise for me to do. And I never took it very seriously. It wasn't like something I was super passionate about for a long time. Um, But for some reason in high school, I decided to audition for a summer intensive, which is just like a summer camp for ballet. And Remember, like, I didn't really care about getting into the audition and getting accepted. Um, Somehow I was, and my parents made me go. It was in Louisville for two weeks. And I think they just wanted me out of the house for two weeks during the summer. (laughs) But I ended up really falling in love with ballet at that time and started taking it a lot more seriously. I upped my dance classes to like 20, 25 hours a week and was an assistant teacher for the younger level classes. Um... And then the summer before my senior year of high school, I auditioned for the Joffrey Valley School Summer Intensive. And while at their audition, you could also audition to be in their traineeship program. And with ballet, when you're in a company, there's a hierarchy of levels. And trainee is kind of the first step into becoming a professional. And I had found out um, when I auditioned that not only did I get into the summer intensive, I had gotten accepted into the traineeship program as well. So... I went to the summer intensive first. It's in New York City. It was an amazing time. And I decided that I wasn't going to do the traineeship, uh, mainly because when you're at a trainee and like, even if you're in that first levels of being in a company, you still have to pay for classes. And it was really, really expensive. Like I'd have to pay for housing in New York City. I'd have to pay for um, the classes themselves. I was still in high school at that time. So I also had to figure out how would I do school? Because like online school was not really a thing then. So I didn't do it for the first semester, but I had actually moved with my family from Nashville to Chicago and was having a really hard time. And the school was very different from my school I'd grown up with. It was 3000 kids compared to my large school in Tennessee, which was like 1500. And so I decided that I wanted to move to New York City and um, do the traineeship for the last half of the year. So my parents somehow decided, yeah, sure, you're 17, go live in New York City by yourself. Um, So I did and did the traineeship the last summer or the last semester of my senior year of high school. I did um, high school online 
through um, a program. It was like a private online high school because that's like the only thing they had at the time. Actually, I think that like Kylie Jenner went to my high school technically, (laughs) which is just like hilarious to me. (laughs) It was like a school for kids who were like doing sports or acting or anything. Um, But while I was at Joffrey, I was dancing like every single day, nine to five. Um, It was basically my, my job. And it was there that I learned, like, you know, I love ballet, but I don't want to do it as a career. I was getting injured a lot with stress fractures and just like the drama of being around mostly other women and kind of the struggles of that. It's a very competitive environment. I just knew that it wasn't for me. And, you know, I wanted a career that could last a really long time in ballet. You're lucky if it lasts till like you're 30. So Ballet, I was kind of ready to move on from in my life. And I decided to move back home and go to school at Belmont University in Nashville. And I majored in public relations. And originally, I wanted nothing to do with the music industry. But Nashville being Nashville kind of got drawn into it. And after graduation, worked as a music publicist for a few years. So it's kind of like the middle person between my artist and journalist setting up interviews being kind of the point of contact for for my clients, going with them on red carpets, going to other shows. It seems very glamorous, but it was very, very stressful. So I knew I needed something new and found my boot camp and kind of never looked back after that. And I'm very, very grateful for, you know, PR Valley actually taught me a lot that I use as a developer, which is really interesting. And so I'm grateful I had that, that path that did lead me here. It seems like that there's like the the connected thread of create potential creativity throughout all of those things that you. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see like that overlap. And if you have the passion for it, like you can make those connections and still have that outlet. For sure. Yeah. And I guess I haven't really thought about it, but you're right. It is like three very careers where it's creative and you have to be passionate about it. And yeah, they all do relate in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's similar. I think I've maybe brought this up on a podcast before, but like. I knew some people that would like work out all day long and they were like some of the best developers, like, you know, being dedicated to like ballet for that long Mm -hmm. gives you kind of that mindset of like, you can dedicate to anything. And like, I don't know, it's, it it is also creative too. And like, but it's just a, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a weird thing where people that are like that tend to be really good developers. (laughs) Yeah. Valley teaches you just a lot in life. Like I will definitely enroll my, if I have a kid one day, enroll them in ballet because it's just, it teaches you so many good life lessons. My daughter is two and she has probably like 10 tutus. So I think that's on her roadmap. (laughs) Yes. It's so good. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Anyone who's willing to like dive in and go down the rabbit hole, likes creative problem solving. And then you can find a lot of different elements, kind of like, I guess, with ballet it being a kind of dance, right? There's a lot of mm-hmm. forms of dance and there's also a lot of different kinds of problems you can solve in engineering. Yeah, exactly. And like ballet, it's very detail oriented. I feel like that's something that's really helped me in my career as a developer, like missing a semicolon or understanding different syntaxes, things like that. Um, it's really helped me a lot. Um I'm really, really grateful for my time doing ballet. And I wish I was still doing it now because I was in great shape then. But (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Pluses and minuses to everything. Oddly enough, sitting in front of a uh, screen for hours doesn't do much for fitness. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's why I'm standing right now. Oh, yeah. I've been sitting all day. So (laughs) that's your way to get some of your standing goals going. (laughs) Yeah. So um, you mentioned uh, the boot camp you went to. Have you kept up with like 
any of the other boot camps that have come out since then? Or like, what are some good ones that you've heard of recently? I, there's a lot of people at CrowdStrike and on my team who are from boot camps. I haven't really kept up with what's happening too much um, besides like what I see on like Twitter and things. Um, but I do really appreciate just how more open people are to boot camp graduates and self-taught developers. And because when I was going through, I was kind of debating if I wanted to self-teach and, but there really weren't resources online like there are now. And it's just amazing to look at like free code camp and code Academy and all those websites that you're able to self-teach and um, even just like asynchronous virtual boot camps now that I think that's awesome. Um, Cause I think when I was going through, it was only you had to be in person and it usually was full time. So it, I understand like how kind of privileged I was to be able to like quit my job full time and do that for three months. Cause it's definitely not something everybody can do. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. But yeah. It's, it's crazy how many resources there are now. Yeah. I bought stacks of books <laughs> and then magazines to get like different projects to try <laughs> out and learn something new. So if that dates me any, that's how <laughs> I had to figure it out. But we were also creating websites and tables. So, you know, yeah, you didn't punch them in punch cards and then go put them in a computer somewhere. Well, that was my first job. But, uh. <laughs> so um, I'm curious, the boot camp, was it in Ember or did you get into Ember afterwards? So it actually was in Ember, um, which is super unique, especially like six, seven years ago. So we learned, of course, like vanilla JavaScript and then we went into Vue and then we switched to Ember and yeah, it was really interesting. My teacher, Ryan Tablada, um, he was really big into Ember at the time, which is why he taught it to us. Because Iron Yard was really good about letting the teachers kind of be really open and teaching um, kind of what they saw um, on the rise and what was in demand. So it was really interesting that we got to, to learn about Ember, especially when it was still kind of pretty new. And then I didn't use it for a couple of years after I graduated my boot camp, and then picked it back up when I came to CrowdStrike, since that's what we use. And I just I love the Ember community and how how great it is. Yeah, same. <laughs> Robbie loves hearing that since he's a contributor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was gonna say it's unfortunate that like ninety nine percent of boot camps are like learn React real quick. Mm -hmm. Like we're not gonna teach you even vanilla JavaScript because React is all you need to get hired, and then. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, there's no way to really find people that are learning Ember, really. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard. Like a lot of companies want to switch away from it because they're like, we can't hire people. And I'm like, well, you shouldn't. You should figure out how to just hire, you know, whoever and then teach it to them. But I can't control them. So they don't listen to me very often. Yeah. It's hard to convey that ideology, but like you said, if people were starting with vanilla JavaScript and under understanding like more native APIs, then getting into these different syntaxes or the mm -hmm. sugar that the framework gives you would be a lot easier. You'd have like, oh, let me just learn what what the tools are in this. And then I know how to leverage those patterns or, or whatever else. But I guess conversely, all these boot camps are competitive with one another. And part of their marketing is their ability, you know, 98 percent hiring promises, things like that. And if all, everyone coming to them wants this predetermined skill set and sort of it's a hard balance we'll have to start the ship shape uh accelerator <laughs> and uh you can teach all ember yeah i mean i would love to like write a book or do something like that but i just don't have the time i mean 
You're going to compete with Ballant and the Ember, rock and roll with Ember? I mean, his stuff's good, but like, you know, you would have to have someone that you needed to teach it to first. Like <laughs> most people just bail before they are like, oh, no one knows it. We'll just switch. But there's there's a lot of people like CrowdStrike's been hiring a lot, right? Like how many Ember developers do you all have? Oh gosh, over a hundred now, I would say. Oh, wow. Our UI is Ember. So it's definitely not a, a requirement that you know it beforehand. I think a lot of people actually don't. And even for me, even though I kind of knew Ember, I, I basically had to relearn it because it had been so long. Um, and Ember was about to release Octane and just learning all about that. But yeah, it's cool to see people join the team not knowing Ember and then kind of becoming really passionate about it and seeing kind of the greatness of the Ember community. Yeah, the I guess there's some other communities. I haven't delved into all of them, but uh, the ones that I have been in have not been very accommodating or welcoming. Like, I mean, the Ember community, I guess because it's smaller and a lot of people care about, you know, people having that good experience when they come in, it's just so much mm-hmm. more intimate and you feel like you can get help from everybody and everyone's on the same team instead of like being like, oh, you're not a good developer for needing to ask this question or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it. So you're not going to name drop another, you're not going <laughs> to name drop a, a bad experience framework? Oh, I have in previous podcasts. Mm. That was one of our uh, like videograms on Twitter. It was like an angular one or something was terrible in their Slack community or whatever. Yeah. And they kicked you out after. I mean, who knows? I, I'm not looking for angular help, so I could have been kicked <laughs> out. <laughs> and my second week on the job was actually going to Ember Comp in 2019 and that was overwhelming for me just because it was my second week so I was like meeting all my coworkers for the first time but it was also really a nice way to kind of get reintroduced back to Ember again yeah yeah I really miss in-person Ember comps me too yeah it's really the glue that's missing over the last couple of years I think yeah and some people I mean it's good and bad. Like there's new companies like CrowdStrike that are kind of pushing more on pulling Ember developers there. So it's not like all LinkedIn or, mm-hmm. you know, one company anymore. But that's also like, I don't know, since everyone hasn't been coming together and there's like, you know, all this great resignation and stuff, people are learning other frameworks and like moving away from the community. And I think we need some conferences in person to really bring people back and realize like, hey, I like all these people. <laughs> I should not do other stuff. Right, right. Get to engage with them. Get to be blown away by Ed. Oh, yeah. Ed's stuff is crazy. Yeah, he shows you something crazy awesome. And then you're like, how do I do this in my thing? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no documentation. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to contract me at ed at pilesofmoney.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. Comic relief. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I guess... um continuing on people that might want a career pivot or, or boot camps in general. Do you have any like advice that you would give someone who's, you know, maybe really worried about, I don't want to quit my job for three months. Like, how am I going to pay for stuff? Like, is it worth it? Like, what do you have for them? Yeah, I definitely don't think if you don't have the ability kind of to completely stop your job and go to like an in-person boot camp for three or six months or however long, I think you can definitely still either do a part-time bootcamp or self-teach. There are just so many, like I was saying, so many online resources now. And just the community has grown immensely for beginners with things like Code Newbie and um, Dev.2 and kind of all these podcasts. It's just an amazing way to be able to learn. Um, I think my number one tip would be 
to network. You want to get your name out there. You want to talk to people. It is very hard right now since we are still in the middle of the pandemic, but a lot of meetups are doing virtual, even doing things like getting on Twitter and talking on Twitter because there's a huge tech community there. Just getting your name out there and kind of finding somebody that you can ask questions to is just the biggest thing. Um, networking, I was lucky that during my bootcamp, like I could go to in-person meetups and meet people. And that's kind of how I landed my first job. But I mean, I got my job on CrowdStrike through Twitter of all things. So you never know where, where something is going to lead you to. How does that coding interview work? For CrowdStrike or for? For Twitter. Oh, for Twitter. <laughs> you should get the job on Twitter. And then it would have been like... Um, and they send you like 120 characters or less. Solve this algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> it was so random. Like I, somebody had posted, um, I believe her name on Twitter is Jesslyn Rose. And she's not associated with CrowdStrike. She was just posting like, hey, if you're a non, a non, I can't say that word, anonymously, job searching, like send me a DM. Post, I'll post a little bit bio about yourself. And if anybody's interested, they'll reach out. And I was like, I'd been at my current job for two years. I was working at an agency kind of doing just like marketing websites and things like that. And I was ready for something new. So I sent her a DM and I was like, I'm never going to hear anything from this. And mentioned I had some Ember experience and um, the director of the UX team, Alex Grawl, um, reached out and was like, hey, we're interviewing if you want to interview. And I'd never heard of CrowdStrike before. Like I've no, had no cybersecurity knowledge before this. And it was just kind of a very lucky thing to end up where I am. And I've now been here for three years. And yeah, to think I got a job on Twitter is just crazy to me, but <laughs> you never know how it's going to work. Exactly. And those are, yeah, those are usually the best opportunities that go through like these non-traditional. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you have an advocate that's, you know, reaching out to people for you saying like this person is, is cool and you should hire them because they know X, Y, Z that getting your foot in the door is the hardest part. Mm -hmm. Usually like if anyone mentions you already, then you're usually pretty good, honestly. Yeah. Totally. That's how I got uh, hired at National Geographic. Someone I had worked with prior to was there and was like, hey, would you be interested in a job? And I was in Phoenix then. Do you want to move to D.C.? Would you be interested in a job? I was like, for the Nat Geo, I would. <laughs> <laughs> kind of just went for there. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. And it worked out since CrowdStrike was, I mean, I was hired before the pandemic, but they were already remote then. So it's kind of an easier transition into the pandemic life. Yeah. They always had good swag at EmberConf, like useful things. CrowdStrike has great swag. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They had interesting shirts. And then I can remember things like, oh, protect your credit card with this sleeve, like useful stuff, mm -hmm. not a coffee mug. <laughs> yeah. The cool adversaries. Coffee mugs are useful. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Yeah. The thing I don't need is more stickers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like stickers. I probably don't need more T-shirts. I don't need more t-shirts probably, but uh, you know what I need more of? Socks. Yeah. I always liked the cool techie socks. Okay. Socks are a great tech swag and I wish more companies did it. Yeah, it's true. We should do some socks. We need some Octo socks. We could. Well, they can't be called Octo socks because that would be a, a bit conflictive with another company that some people use. I don't know if they're bigger than us, but. Who are you talking about? <laughs> Octo socks? GitHub, Octo. Oh, GitHub? Yeah. They don't have Octo socks, I don't think. No, no. But they, they have, I don't know. The, calling them Octo socks would have that be confusing is all I mean. Right, right. Tentacle socks? Yeah, now they probably have to be like Microsoft logo socks. Mm. Since they own all of the JavaScript ecosystem. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Everything we work with. <laughs> and we all assimilate. So what's wrong with GitLab? 
it's not as good. I don't have my pretty graph of contributions and all of my mm-hmm. stuff I contribute to is on GitHub. Right. My GitHub looks looks pretty sad. <laughs> you can get a, a, a GitHub gardener if you need one. <laughs> right. A bot to do it for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm contributing offline, but I'm contributing. So I want you to see. That's how Robbie looks busy. He hasn't written any code in years. I wouldn't buy it. No, my stuff is public. You can see it all. Bot does your updates. Dependabot. And you're like, oh, it counts. That is true. Dependabot is a blessing and a curse. Like, it's nice to have everything up to date, but you have so many PRs. Yeah. Just like constantly. I don't don't want to manage it. That's why you do. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of open source, though, I think we were going to ask something, some things about open source, right? Yeah. Do you remember, Robbie? Where was that? Something about uh, he writes up some of the show notes. I had a little bit of detail and about open source <laughs> projects that you're interested in working on, contributing to just in general. Then, Yeah, I haven't done a ton of open source work. I think mainly just because I'm really wary of burning out because I did burn out in my last career. So I'm really limit my coding time to just work and kind of, you know, I do a lot of speaking and talking at conferences. So that's kind of like my outside work work coding job, not job, but I don't get paid for that. I wish I would. Um, (laughs) But, you know, recently, a lot of people on my team, obviously being involved in Ember, do contribute to Ember. And it's something I want to, I want to do more and get more into it because, you know, I feel like contributing to like the framework that you use will give you such good knowledge of it. Even if it's something small as like helping out. I was looking at stuff for like the learning team, doing stuff like that. Because Honestly, I feel like the best way to learn something is to teach it to somebody else. And it's something I want to, I definitely want to get more involved with open source. It's, that's going to be my goal over 2022 is to, to get more involved. Yeah, we uh, definitely know some folks on the learning team over here. Um, <laughs> and we definitely need a lot of help. Jared is basically solo writing the Ember Times these days. So mm-hmm. if you're inclined to write anything like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. You know, I had a past job where I had to write a lot, so probably help out. Yeah. There you go. That overlapping skill set that you mentioned earlier. (laughs) Yes. Comes in handy. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with that. Like one of the the greatest ways to to learn something is to like Mm -hmm. teach someone or write a blog post about it. And that way you have to kind of dig in a little more. Yeah. Getting under the hood and not just not just consuming sometimes a good way too. I totally agree. Yeah. Even like basic things, like I've done a couple like dev two posts that are just like, what's the difference between an arrow function and a regular function? Um, Talking about like introduction to CSS grid, like those have helped me understand kind of the foundational knowledge even more than, than I had before. Because trying to type it out in an easy to understand way, like makes you just understand it a lot better. So I think I highly recommend that to anyone, even if you don't want to like post a blog post or anything, just kind of write it out for yourself. Yeah. I think a lot of people also get hung up on like, oh, this blog post, like people probably already know this mm-hmm. or like, you know, they feel self-conscious about posting something because they think it's not advanced enough or something. And I forget where I saw this example, but someone had like, I think posted on Twitter that they were like, you know, I've been working with this guy for, I don't know, five years. He's like a really, really senior JavaScript guy. And he didn't know what debugger was. Mm-hmm. Like he was console logging all of his debugging. So it's like, you know, there's someone that doesn't know something you might think is simple. So you should always feel like, you know, put all the information out there and you're probably going to help somebody and it's good to do. 
Exactly. And you never know if like something you say, like the way you phrase something will just make it click for somebody in a way that they haven't understood it before. I, I really like really recommend people writing blog posts and doing things. Cause like you said, you never know when something like you'll explain something to someone who maybe you thought like had no, all this knowledge and they didn't know this one thing and it really helps them out. Yeah. It just happens to be the way you say it is the way that it clicks for someone mm-hmm. and, and that. Yeah, exactly. So get that. That reminds me, I think through one of your blog posts, I think I clicked through and what your home office setup oh, yeah. was. You wrote a blog post about it and I think it was like a year ago. And so you were like, oh, this is my initial setup. Has it changed any? It has changed a little bit. So I think since then I've added this Blue Yeti mic and I have, maybe I had it during the blog post. I can't remember, but I've added a Blue Yeti mic. I don't think so. Okay. So I added the mic with the stand. So I look like really cool when people come into my house. Mm-hmm. Cause like my office is open to our front door. It's like a flex room. And so people will come in and be like, like do you do podcasts? And I'm like, oh, sometimes <laughs> they think I'm like cool because I have a mic. <laughs> exactly. What else has changed? On my desk, that's really it. I still have the same like Dell monitor. Still using my laptop. Oh, I do have this in front of me. I got it off from Amazon. It's just like a little whiteboard that it's, I think it's by Quartet is what it was. It's like 20 bucks on Amazon. And I really like it because I'll write like really quick notes if I need to follow up with somebody. Or um, I usually write down like an inspirational quote every week because I'm that person. Mm, okay, that's fair. Besides just like decorating my office, because we moved into this house two years ago from an apartment. So it's been like getting furniture and actually making it so my house isn't super echoey. It hasn't changed too much. <laughs> <laughs> that happens for sure. So you were part of the uh, real estate pandemic boom then so we built this house so we had under contract in november of 2019 and then moved in in may 2020 so like the pandemic was just starting so we got really really lucky because now house prices everywhere is like insane Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah you can't buy a two by four for less than like hundreds of dollars i feel like no it's it's crazy <laughs> my poor parents they just moved back to tennessee from kansas and they're house hunting and i'm just like oh i feel so bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's, it's not gonna go well yeah there's uh the a client that i'm working with one of the engineering managers there they're moving from st louis to nashville mm-hmm. and they have quite a bit of sticker shock there everybody's moving to nashville hmm it's crazy. I don't think I am. <laughs> it is nice, though. I mean, I call myself a Nashville native because, like, I've lived here for the majority of my life. And it's just insane to see it changing so much. And it's like a good thing. So we're getting so many, like, awesome new restaurants and things to do. But, like, the houses and it's just it's crazy, like, seeing how the values of everything and, like, people from California will come in and, like, buy a house for tons of money over asking, like, not do an inspection. And it's just it's crazy to me. Yeah, because for them, it's cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> they, they sell their bungalow for a million dollars and come and buy a giant <laughs> house for 600000 And they're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, everywhere. I was going to say, are you still using the Loom Cube? I'm not. So I got rid of the Loom Cube. I think I want to get... I saw Loom actually came out with a ring light. Oh. I think it was a ring light. or It was like a work from home specific thing. And I think I kind of want to get that because... I know people listening to this can't see my office, but my office is like a dungeon. 
because it's mm. I have like these very dark charcoal gray walls and the ceilings painted that color too. Oh. So it gets like very dark in here sometimes. So I need like some light so it doesn't look like I'm sitting in a cave on my Zoom calls. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up getting rid of the loom cube and just got some more standard, like mm-hmm. larger LED lights yeah. and they came with stands and everything else. And they were like same price as a loom cube, except for they were generic Amazon brand stuff. And that works pretty good. Yeah. I like the loom cube. I think it was just like a little too small for how dark my space is. And then did you get the frame TV? I still have not gotten the frame TV, but I recently got some credenzas where the frame TV will go. So that's next oh. on the list. Yes, we're, we're slowly getting there. There's been like other priorities for furniture in the house, like a dining table because we didn't have oh, one definitely. for a while. <laughs> so the frame TV has been on the back burner, but it's definitely on my list because I like watching TV when I work, like having the background noise. And especially with my office, like being in the front of our house, like I don't want to drive tv just like sitting there <laughs> gotta keep the aesthetic <laughs> absolutely if you get a big enough tv you can just slide it down and use it as a dining table <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah some of these i don't know what i think 75 inch is the longest for the frame but i saw an 85 inch on sale at costco the other day and i'm like that's insane that's basically a projector for a frame tv the frame, I think, goes up to 75 inch and then a normal TV was 85 inch. That's crazy. Both sizes wow. are pretty big. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 Anything over 55 starts to look large. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Depending on the room you're in, I guess. But right. Yeah. If you get the frame, though, you got to get some NFTs to, to display. So. <laughs> I don't understand. I have a friend who has a frame and he has an NFT. I will say it's a Damien Hurst in there, though. So it's pretty cool. It's not just a random ape, although he does also have an ape. The random apes are worth a lot of money. So for now, <laughs> I have not gone into the whole NFT thing. I, I Some of that stuff, I just it goes over my head. I'm like, I just don't, don't understand it. Yeah. I mean, I've tried to dig into it a number of times and I'm like, oh, I think I can speak to these buzzwords. I still don't really understand it now. <laughs> I'll have to build a smart contract before then I still further don't understand the rest of them other than my own smart contract. Yeah. I don't think anyone really understands them. Mm. That's true. (laughs) The big grift. Some people think. Yeah. Yeah. No, it really is like you have a lot of FOMO, right? Like you try to get people to be like, oh, no, if I don't buy this, like it'll be worth millions of dollars one day and I got to buy it right now for like a thousand dollars. And then you make. 50,000 people do that. And all of a sudden you got a lot of money and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it sells for $500 instead later. Yep. But they got their money, so they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I did come across a, a website. I think it was on Hacker News or something. And it was something about Web3 wonders or I don't know. But what it was is it was tracking tweets about different Web3 things. And anytime it mentioned like a monetary loss, then it had this little grift tracker at the bottom and the money part in flames would just, it it would increase. I should find this again. It was really kind of funny. I believe there's potential in the technology that is being tested out in some very iffy ways right now. But this was funny. If you're really like opposed and you think it's a big joke, this is the best site to visit. Yeah. I think uh, what Taras said in the last one that hasn't aired yet yeah. about like the problem the NFT is trying to solve is correct, mm-hmm. but like the approach is maybe wrong. So like being able to own a digital asset and say like, I'm the owner, no one else owns this mm-hmm. is like a thing we need. But the way that it's happening right now is maybe not the best way. 
Yeah, I agree with that, I think. Yeah. It's called Web3 is going great. <laughs> and the subtitle is, and is definitely not an enormous grift that's pouring liquid lighter fluid on an already smoldering planet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so anyway, I thought that was entertaining. Shared with the world. Yeah. That's funny. I saw that your Twitter says you are obsessed with dogs. Oh, yes. What kind of dogs? All dogs? What are your favorites? Every single dog, really animals in general, I, I love. I have two dogs. Their names are Maggie. She's six and she's like a Border Collie Golden Retriever mix. And then I have Franklin. He is one and is a Golden Doodle. And they are the loves of my life besides my husband and my family. I guess I should mention them too. <laughs> yeah, I'm obsessed with them. They, I don't have any kids, so they are my children. And I'm that person that if you're walking down the street or in a store with a dog, I will stop you and I will pet that dog. <laughs> there you go. All dogs. Does your one-year-old dog annoy the six-year-old dog? Yes. So Maggie is like, <laughs> even when we got her as a puppy, we got her as a rescue. She was always like very chill and relaxed. Franklin is a psychopath. <laughs> He's like the opposite <laughs> of that. He is like the normal. Well, we, we thought Maggie was like what a typical dog was like. So when we got a puppy, he was just like crazy and actually what a normal puppy is like. But he is definitely the annoying younger brother. Like he'll go up and try to cuddle with her and she'll just get up and move. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny, actually. But I think now we've had him for a year. So I think she's starting to take him under her wing now. And it's cute. She'll like protect him if we're like playing with him sometimes. And but then he turns around and gets on her nerves and she'll bark at him again. But yeah. <laughs> they're my babies i love them and i post them on twitter all the time <laughs> nice yeah we have two french bulldogs and one is five and one is like a year and a half and the the younger one just will like you know the older one will just be sleeping hanging out and they'll just like come up and like jump on him and like mm -hmm. want to play and like yeah super annoying like definitely a little brother yeah Franklin insists if Maggie picks up a toy, Franklin also has to play with that toy. I'll be like, okay, let's go upstairs. Let's go hang out. And they'll like be holding on to either side, like running up the stairs, like trying to battle <laughs> over it. I'm like, y'all have plenty of toys. Like you don't have to fight over the same one. <laughs> no, that's the one. <laughs> mm -hmm, exactly. It's whichever toy Maggie has, Franklin wants. <laughs> You're describing exactly how my children behave. So. <laughs> it's not unlike the same thing. <laughs> my son is five, my daughter is two, and anytime one or the other picks up a toy, the other must have it. Mm -hmm. It goes both ways for them? It does, yeah. Wow. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I love dogs. I would have a million dogs if my house could fit that many, um, but I think fortunately my husband's like two is the max. We cannot have more than two dogs. <laughs> I was going to say, how high will it scale? Because I'm sure you could accommodate more than two. <laughs> I probably could. I wouldn't mind having three, but two dogs is the limit he's put in place, which I understand. Like three dogs would be a lot. I kind of, I want a cat because I've never had a cat, but my husband's like not a huge cat fan. And I think I just want a cat because I can't get another dog. <laughs> mm, right. What about hamsters? The hamsters kind of freak me out, honestly. Like, I've just heard horror stories of people who have hamsters as kids, and they're, like, really mean. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Is that just me? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have that experience with yeah. hamsters. They really? seem fine. Yeah. I mean, they are cute. Right. They were fine. I wouldn't mind a bird, either. 
but birds live a very long time. Yes, and they're loud a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My brother had birds for a bit. I think it'd be like funny at first if, but to have like a bird in it to repeat you, but I could see that getting old pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. And then you'd have to get an eye patch and a <laughs> ship, a sailboat. So, you know, it's a whole lifestyle commitment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the big thing for us is like the same with animals and children and all things. If you have more than two, one person cannot grab both easily. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's kind of the logistics issue, right? So you're outnumbered at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, like I'm a pretty petite person. I'm like five foot two. I can't like, I'm not very strong. So like Maggie could easily pull me and we got Franklin and he was supposed to be like a mini golden doodle. And they were like, oh, he'll be like 20, 25 pounds. And somehow we got the biggest puppy of a litter unknowingly. And he's like 38 pounds and is bigger than Maggie. And I'm just like, oh, this is great. I thought I was going to have like a cute little dog I could carry all the time. And he's like <laughs> a medium sized dog. Yeah. I suggest those French bulldogs. Frenchies are so cute. Well, Jake is 32 pounds. Oh, wow. So he's like the same size as Franklin. Yeah. He's he's like a really big Frenchie. Yeah. Because uh, Odie is like 27 pounds or something, which is still pretty beefy, honestly, for their size. They just have a lot of muscle. They're really like... Mm-hmm. What are you feeding them? Are they out like chasing foxes or something? Yeah, no, they they just eat deer all day in the yard. No, <laughs> <just kidding. laughs> deer comes up and two Frenchies attack it, take it down <laughs> like, like lions. Yeah, Ooh. I don't think that would go well. <laughs> no. My house growing up had like woods in the back, so we'd get deer all the time. And I had a golden retriever growing up and also a shih tzu named Murphy. And Murphy would like chase the deer and squirrels because Patty, my golden retriever, would. I'm like, you are a tiny little Shih Tzu puppy. Like, <laughs> you shouldn't be chasing these animals. Yeah. It's a novel thing for them, too. They're like, mm-hmm. uh, we won't bother with you. <laughs> yeah, we have like 20 deer that live in our yard. So you got to befriend them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, luckily our dogs are like, we don't have a, well, we have fences, but like they could get under them. So mm-hmm. we just walk them on leashes so they can't just like run after them. But if they could, they definitely would and they would be able to catch them and that would not go well. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You wonder how that would work out. Maybe they'd catch them and be like, never mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I live in the country. So I hear coyotes all the time and I'm like terrified of being in the yard and having, because they can jump fences like having one jump the fence and I don't know my dogs would not be able to stand up to a coyote like Franklin's scared of like deodorant if you hold it up to him he's like petrified of it I'm like you you, no there's no way (laughs) that fresh scent just he anything strange like hair clips I bought a stool once because you know being short I need stools all around the house and he was terrified of that I'm like he acts really tough though like Barks at the door, barks at other dogs. There's like a Doberman who lives behind us. He barks at him, but then he's scared of deodorant. Like, "Mm, sir, you don't really know what you're doing. Yeah. The hierarchy of life is not clear to you. (laughs) (laughs) I think he thinks he's like a massive dog. I'm like, you are a golden doodle. Like you are a fluffy ball of fur. Yeah. And they have Muppet faces. They do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He looks like a stuffed animal. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They are pretty adorable, but even when they're big. They're like, yeah, but aren't you just a Muppet waiting for you to sing Manamana or something? <laughs> I guess some other things I saw, you had done some crocheting. Are you still doing that? Yes. 
that's a new hobby of mine. Yeah. I picked it up over, I took two weeks off for Christmas and New Year's. And I am very easily persuaded by Instagram ads. I'm very, I'm (laughs) that person that they try to target and I will buy it. And there was like a little crochet ad for this little like dinosaur. And I was like, oh, how cute. And I did crochet as a kid. So I made it and it was fun. And then I've made like a little trivet slash like pot holder. And I'm working on a scarf for my dad. Nice. It's really nice. I like it because like I'm not staring at a screen while doing it after staring at my screen all day. And it's very like zen and relaxing just to like sit there and crochet. And it's nice to like, I can give people handmade gifts, even though it takes quite a long time to make a scarf. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I like things like, you know, mowing the yard and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it's that similar satisfying, like, you know, you do a little bit and then it's immediately like, Hey, that got bigger. Like I I did that. Mm -hmm. So it's immediate gratification. Yeah. Yeah. Some kind of mindless, like manual activity, I think can be nice. It's a good break. It's almost meditative. I like doing like outside yard work or fixing something because I can just zone out and do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like it. I've realized that I can go down a deep rabbit hole of spending money on yarn though. (laughs) (laughs) So that's been fun. (laughs) But I like that I don't have to look at a screen. And like you said, it's meditative and nice. And I'm just going to have to get started on everyone's Christmas gifts this like next week if I'm going to get them done in time. There you go. And you have to have a realistic expectation and plan out your projects. Mm-hmm. You need a uh, crochet tracker, like the GitHub activity tracker. Like I crocheted today. Yes, <laughs> I should. <laughs> I bet there's something out there that someone has made like a side project, like some kind of IOT thing that like when you pick up the crochet needles, it would like activate and send a signal to an Arduino <laughs> and then log that to your tracker. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. New ship shape product idea. <laughs> yes. I always have good ideas. And then the execution is like, oh, that seems hard. <laughs> that later. I'm going to watch some Star Wars. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did finish Boba Fett. I've heard it's good. Yeah. It's not as good as The Mandalorian. But if you are into it and like you're into the characters and stuff, like the story's good and it interweaves a little bit. There's a big part where they're like a whole, um, CGI Luke Skywalker's in an, basically a whole episode. Mm-hmm. And that was cool filling in some blanks there story-wise. But if you're like more of a layman to the stories, I think there's like better places to start or dive into. Mm-hmm. And that's all on Disney plus, right? Mm-hmm. It is. Yes. I have two small children. So I of course have Disney plus. <laughs> I've never seen all the Marvel movies. So like, for the past, like, I don't even know how long, several months, I've been marathoning all the Marvel movies um, in... In order? In release order. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, your street cred just went up. Thank you. See? Okay. <laughs> I can let the Star Wars thing go if we're going over <laughs> in the Marvel universe. That's cool. Yeah. And, like, some of those shows are good, too, on Disney+. Plus. So... Oh, my gosh. As you've dived through that. Yeah. Loki, I think, was my favorite, even like out of all the movies and everything. I really, really liked Loki. Wow. Have you watched the uh, Netflix Marvel shows? No, I haven't. Can you still? You can until February 28th. So <sighs> just don't work for the next week or so and watch them. <laughs> <laughs> Daredevil. Daredevil is one. Is Venom on Netflix? No, no, because the Spider-Man universe is still a weird outlier that Sony owns the rights Mm -hmm. to. Yeah. So they loaned Spider-Man 
to Disney, mm-hmm. but for the Venom movies, those are all on Sony, and that's why they're kind gotcha. of autonomous. Yeah, and I like Tom Hardy. I still haven't seen them because you have to actually like pay. What's my streaming option for them? Pay money and isn't like HBO? Aren't they Sony or not? No, they're Warner Brothers. So they have all like the Batman DC universe stuff. It's all the same. <laughs> Some big company. No, <laughs> which I've watched those too, like Teen Titans and Peacemaker. The Peacemaker is hilarious. It's John Cena as this character that doesn't realize like he's an idiot racist. He thinks he's fighting for peace, even if he has to kill a few women and children to get it. So anyway, it is recommended. Yeah. <laughs> if you're into the superhero thing. Doesn't the new Robert Pattinson, the Batman come out soon? I think it does. Yeah. Like May. It was delayed for a while. Yeah. I think it's May or something, but I already got emails about like pre-ordering tickets. But like, uh, oh, well, yeah, that's a very far in advance. <laughs> I know they are. And they're anticipating quite a quite a line. Movie theaters kind of gross me out now, though. Yeah. A lot of things post. Well, not even post pandemic, still in the pandemic. Gross me out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of things you didn't think about, how much exposure you have to other germs and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've been to the movies twice since the pandemic to see A Quiet Place 2 and the new Spider-Man. Wow, haven't seen either of those. They're both very good. Yeah, I like both of those in general. I liked the first one. We have also seen two movies. We did like matinees in order to like mm-hmm. kind of avoid a Friday night crowd. Yeah. but And so it was okay. One was a movie with my son. We took my five-year-old son to his first movie. And it was like Adam's Family 2, the animated one. Mm. So, you know, if you're a fan of one, you should definitely <laughs> see it. I don't even remember what the other one was, but it was all right. Should have been Spider-Man, but, you know. <laughs> Spider-Man was so good. You need to see it. I agree. Yeah. I haven't been to the movies in years. <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man was the only, like, <laughs> Marvel movie I've ever seen before I watched the Marvel movies. Oh. Well, that and Guardians of the Galaxy. I had seen that one. Mm. Oh, okay. I like Guardians of the Galaxy a lot. Groot is so cute, especially baby Groot. <laughs> just like dancing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's pretty funny. I just love thinking about they're paying Vin Diesel probably millions <laughs> of dollars just to go into the studio and record I Am Groot. Groot? <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's a great job. <laughs> or he's just doing it for fun, but still making six figures. So I don't think oh, anyone yeah. should feel sorry for him regardless. <laughs> I mean, just stop making Fast and the Furious movies. Anything else. <laughs> nope, never. Pitch Black was good. Go back to that. Make 12 of those. They'll probably go on to Mars for the next Fast and Furious or something. <laughs> yeah. Just merge those characters. How many are there now? Seven or something. Right? Seven? No, nine. Nine. Oh, my gosh. I've only seen two. I feel good about that. The first few <laughs> where they were actually about street racing were good. So they went to like <laughs> Tokyo and did this whole other culture thing. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Once the rock and tanks come into the, the movie, I'm over yeah. it. <laughs> it's fair. Both the rock is a love hate relationship. He both makes things better and ruins them. True. Because I love him in general. He's funny. He's a good guy. But yeah, he does ruin a lot of stuff. <laughs> isn't he like the most paid actor like ever he's gotta be yeah he's been in so many things he's also in every movie so yeah he can be <laughs> getting like an industry average and still be like the highest grossing yeah because he's yeah. in everything that's true yeah i do feel like he's releasing new things like every other month yeah he's taking the little wayne approach like just put out 50 albums and one of them will be a, a good one <laughs> <laughs> At what point do you cease to be Lil? 
You know, remember the little Bow Wow became just Bow Wow at some point. Mm. When you become Wayne. I don't know. <laughs> I guess if you're still little in size, I don't know how big he is. He looks kind of little, though. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Look it up. He's the same height as you. Yes, he very much is. Yeah. You and I are not big people. So, Mm-mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we can empathize with you, Kara. <laughs> I mean, I'm not 5'2". I just want that to be clear and on the record, but... Five seven isn't anything to brag about either. Yeah, it's I'm lucky to be the height that I am. But yeah, it's it's funny. I wish I was just like two inches taller, especially for like when I was doing ballet, like five, four is like the sweet spot. Like mm. you're tall enough, but you're not too tall to where like you partner and then you'd be taller than the, than the guy on point shoes. But I was always slightly too short. <laughs> if you'd have done the Gattaca surgery, do you remember that that movie Gattaca? Uh-uh. It was like Jude Law and Ethan Hawke and Ethan Hawke had to take Jude Law's uh, identity. I don't know. They were working something out there. And so he got a surgery where they like cut his bones oh and they God. were slowly pulling them apart as they would grow and fuse and grow and fuse so he could gain height. And apparently this is a real surgery in China. What? Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. No, some guy did that. He wanted to be like six inches taller and they did that for... Sounds terrible, but yeah, it sounds really bad. So, but it is a thing. Cause it's like interesting with my growth hormone deficiency. Like at some point, like you're not going to grow more. Like I was always meant to be five foot two, but like the medicine just allowed me to grow to this height. Whereas like normally because my brain wasn't producing, um, growth hormones, like I wouldn't have been, I don't even know how tall I would have been, which is terrifying to think about how tall I would have been with medicine but yeah <laughs> i'm actually familiar with that just because of the soccer player Lionel messi had the same yes. issue yes yep he had the he same does. thing yeah and so when he went to barcelona they paid for his treatments mm-hmm. so that he could yeah, grow it's really expensive mm-hmm. i was fortunate my parents are both in the military and the military covered my treatments oh wonderful mm-hmm. yeah that's cool Otherwise, you would have had to become a professional soccer player for Barcelona. I know. Yeah. There's like two routes into that. And you got the other one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's funny. You're familiar with him as well. And mm-hmm. the fact that that was his story. Yes. My husband is a huge Barcelona soccer fan. And so oh. I think he was watching something about Messi one day. And I was like, they mentioned he had growth hormone deficiency. I was like, oh, how random. Because it's like a very random disorder to have. Cause like, obviously looking at someone, you would never realize that they have it. And yeah, it's really cool to see somebody else, like, especially somebody so in the mainstream and known that has something similar. No, yeah. I've been to the camp new also. Me too. Whoa, there we go. Not you, Robbie. Yeah. You're missing out in life. I don't know what you're talking about. Is that a soccer <laughs> stadium or something? Yeah, it's the Barcelona FC stadium. Mm. Except Messi's not on Barca anymore, which is very sad. Yeah, you have to go to Paris to see him now. It's not terrible. Mm-hmm. No, I have to go to Paris. Boo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you always bring up soccer like after we're at time for the podcast so that you're just baiting me to be like, oh, we're at time. We're, we're done. <laughs> yeah, that, that's my cue. You didn't hear that? You didn't know that? 
It's like playing music at the uh, award shows and stuff when people talk Mm -hmm. too long. Well, because so often people don't know what I'm talking about or don't care. And so it's an easy like, oh, you don't care. We can wrap up now. But I'm really into it. I watch European soccer. Yeah, my husband's a huge fan. So I've become like a a bandwagon fan because of it. He was very distraught when Messi got um, switched to PSG. Mm, I see. It was a very sad day in our household. I'm a Manchester United fan and we got Ronaldo back. So I'm pretty happy. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know about that. Yeah, he came back. He's uh, so the great one is doing it at the top level. Mm-hmm. I keep joking, like maybe Messi will come to the States when he's ready to retire. because <laughs> That's the thing to do. <laughs> They've been courting him in Miami for really for years already. Yeah. So that's the plan. That's not surprising. That'd be really cool, though. Actually, go see him. We're supposed to go to a Barcelona game um, actually on our honeymoon. Mm. But... So we did a cruise for our honeymoon and, but it was during the time that Barcelona was like rioting, trying to like split from Spain. Secede yet again. Yeah. (laughs) So we were on the cruise and they had actually moved the date of the game up two days. And so we were still on the cruise and couldn't go. And it was, my husband's like, I now I never will get to see Messi play in Barcelona. (laughs) So he needs to go back so we can go see him. Yeah. Well, it could happen. Yeah. I'll keep my fingers crossed for him. Yeah, because he's on PSG for like a two-year contract, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we'll see. He will. Barcelona's is home. I think technically it's Rosario, Argentina, but... Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I think he spent probably just as much time in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. That's the only other team he's played for, I think. Right. He was uh, Newell's old boys or whatever in Rosario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel good that I can like keep up with my soccer knowledge because I have very little. <laughs> That's pretty good, though. Like the thread <laughs> that you know about, you know a lot about. So there you go. <laughs> and Robbie's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Nope. I barely even keep up with American football, honestly. <laughs> so Yeah. See, yeah. I'm not a football person. I mainly watch hockey. It's cool. I can respect that. Mm-hmm. I only knew who was in the Super Bowl a week before the Super Bowl and because I'm from the Cincinnati area. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. I watch the Super Bowl every year, even though I don't watch football. Like, I'm always like, oh, yeah, Super Bowl. Got to watch it. I don't know why. It's just like a thing. I feel like you're in America. You have to watch the Super Bowl. Because the commercials are so good. It's true. The commercials are good. It's a social event. It's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, I did like the halftime show this year with Eminem and everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Snoop Dogg bought Death Row. I don't know if you guys follow that any, Mm -hmm. but Snoop Dogg now owns Death Row Records. Interesting. Yeah, he announced it like two days before the Super Bowl, but didn't talk about it at the Super Bowl. So not everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, he didn't talk about anything. He just performed. Yeah, that was it. Just wearing those Rams colors. <laughs> He's got that Martha Stewart money. He can buy whatever he wants now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Him and Martha Stewart did the Puppy Bowl before the Super Bowl. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I did not watch, and I'm very upset that I didn't, because that's the Puppy Bowl is my Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, I usually watch it, but I forgot. Womp womp. I do like their cooking show, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's entertaining. They're good personalities. We should get them on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they do it. I like the intro that's like a, uh, you know, a show with a convicted felon and Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, murder was the case that they gave him, but didn't stick. <laughs> that was a Snoop Dogg song, for those who don't know. 
All right. Well, we're pretty over time here, so going to wrap it up and end it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Whiskey Web and Whatnot. This podcast is brought to you by ShipShape and produced by Podcast Royale. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or two and leave us a rating, maybe a review, as long as it's good. You can subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info about ShipShape and this show, check out our website at shipshape.io.